0: Take your Bibles this morning and turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, page 854 in the Pew Bible. Matthew chapter 7. Always like to share with you when exciting things happen in the ministry. And uh, a week ago was Spiritual Emphasis Week here at Mount Calvary Christian School. It was a great week and uh, Brother Lee, our new Bible teacher, did a great job in leading that week. But the highlight of that week to me was that one of our sixth grade students accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. And all God's people said what? Amen. Amen. You know, that's what it's all about, isn't it? It really is. Mount Calvary Christian School exists to bring kids to a relationship with Jesus Christ and then help them to grow in that relationship with Jesus Christ. So I praise the Lord for the great staff that he's given us and just for that great victory that we saw at the school. Just a week ago. Matthew chapter 7 this morning, and Pastor John will be preaching in just a few moments from verses 7 through 12. So we're going to read that portion. Matthew chapter 7, starting with verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and ye will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. And he who asks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. Or what man is there among you, who if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Therefore... Whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. May God bless the reading of his word.
1: Someone, once, someone uh, as we were standing in the back, said this morning, our crowd's a little light, and I re- replied to him, well, word was out that I was speaking. So, uh, um, uh, but uh, um, we are glad that you're here. Join me in, in just a quick word of prayer as, before we look into God's word. Father, thank you for uh, your blessings the ones that we're quick to recognize and the ones that uh, we don't recognize all the time. But we're thankful for your love and your care and how you take care of us and watch over us and provide for us. And, and Lord, we're thankful for your word that you've given us to show us and to guide us and to direct us into the kind of lives that you uh, want us to live. And Lord, I pray this morning as we look into your word that your word might be active and working in our hearts and our lives, and he might mold and shape us into the type of individuals that you desire us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you've been with us for the past few weeks or fa- past few months, you know that we've been wor- walking through a series, journeying through uh, the Sermon on the Mounts. And, uh, we have been talking about a lot of different things. And as we have looked at the Sermon on the Mount, we know that Jesus is challenging his disciples, both then and now, with some attitudes and some actions that he's really trying to determine, uh, and really wants to see in, in the lives of all of his followers. And, and so in the, in these past few months on our journey, we have learned the following things. Uh, One of the things we learned was this, believers should not sin by being angry with others, but make things right. So we've learned that, hey, we shouldn't sin by being angry with others, but we should seek to make things right. Another thing that we've learned was this, we should not sin sexually, uh, either physically or mentally, but we should seek purity and holiness. Another thing that Jesus touched on, he's saying believers should not sin by lying, but we should keep our word. Our yes should be yes and our no should be no. Another thing that Jesus challenges us, is says believers should not sin by retaliating when someone harms us. We shouldn't seek to get even. Another thing that Jesus challenges his followers is this, is we should not sin by hating our enemies, but loving them. Jesus goes on and, and he challenges us again to not sin by being hypocritical in our giving in our praying or in our fasting, but that we should be genuine. Jesus goes on and he he encourages that we should not sin by, by serving and seeking money and seeking after the things of this world, but we should seek him first and serve him first. Jesus reminds us that believers should not sin by worrying, but we should trust our heavenly father that he will provide for our needs. Last week we looked at, and, and Jesus challenged us not to sin by misjudging others and being critical of them. And Pastor Dick also talked that uh, from last week that Jesus challenged us not to sin by being unrepentant with our own sin, that, that we should deal with the sin in our lives. And as we, as we go through that list, it's a pretty daunting list, isn't it? And as I think about that, uh, some questions come to mind, and the, question, the first question is, how are we doing with that list? How are we doing it actively living out these things that Jesus is, 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 is challenging his followers uh, that, that should be active and, 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 a, and a real uh, active part of our lives on a daily basis? So, have we mastered these things that we've talked about? Uh, are they present in our lives or are you a little bit like me? When we go over this list, you're a little overwhelmed. Because you go down that list and you can say, "Yep, I struggle with that one." Yep, uh, I'm not doing so good at that one. I struggle with that one. I have a lot of improvement to make. Maybe, maybe you're there with me today as we look at that list and say, "Wow, that's a big list, and I'm not doing so good in those areas." You know, as we look at that list, it's pretty clear that Jesus rode is hard and his standards high. He is calling for some extreme kind of living from his followers. It says in, in Matthew 5, 48, that, uh, it says this, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And we know that, as Pastor Dick talked about that, he's, uh, what Jesus is asking us is, we know that we can't be perfect here on earth, but what he's asking us to do is to mature, is to become more and more like him on a, on a daily basis, to grow more and more like him. And so Jesus rode his hard and his standards high, and how are we doing How are we doing when it comes to those things and and, and all those other big concepts that Jesus is tackling in this great sermon? It can be overwhelming. It can can be to the point where, you know what, you feel like a failure and you just want to give up. And then we get to these few verses here in chapter 7. And I think Jesus puts these here for a reason because he wants to remind us There's a few important things as we pursue living a life according to Jesus, that that he doesn't want us to be discouraged, he doesn't want us to give up, but he wants to remind us of a few important things. The first one is this. The first important thing that I think he wants to remind us is this. We need to pray with persistence. In Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8, it says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. You know, in, this, in these two verses, Jesus uses three very interesting words to talk about prayer and to talk about being persistent in prayer. The first word is ask. And this simply means humbly asking one's superior for a conscious need. It's just humbling yourself before your superior and just asking. You have a need and just asking him for it. So that's ask. Then Jesus moves on to seek. Seek is asking with action. It's expressing one's need and then looking around for help. We're not just asking for something, but, but now we're going to look for that help. So we're asking for help, and we're going to go look for help. And so it kind of builds on that, the, the concept of asking It takes it to the next level. And then he goes to knock. And this is asking with action and perseverance. It's to not give up, but to continue until you find an open door, until you find an answer. So, so it's asking for what you need and looking for it and continuing to try to find that until your answer, till you find an open door, till someone provides uh, what you're looking for. These words, when you put them together, it communicates an idea of constantly continuing to request for something. In the Greek, uh, the word ask, seek, and knock really is, is the idea of keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And so, you know, we, we see that this is a continuing request, and, and we also see the p- continuing and, and progression of intensity in these words, from the simplest form of asking to more aggressive seeking to really more aggressive knocking. Jesus wants us to be persistent in prayer, to ask and to seek and to knock. And as I was thinking about this, you know what? Even as little kids, they understand this concept, don't they? I mean, we're getting to that time of year. It seems like it's a little bit closer than it really is because we have snow on the ground now. But Christmas is coming. And if you have little kids in your house, you know what's happening right about now. The Christmas lists are being written. And the requests are being given. And in the Whitmer house, it's, it's not that different. We, we went out with my parents uh, two weekends ago for their anniversary, and Zachary wanted to bring his Lego catalog along to show his grandmother what he wanted for Christmas. Um, so he did, but I made him wait till at least we're halfway through the dinner before he asked. Uh, but, uh, but Haley has gotten this idea down very, very well. And for Christmas this year, she wants an animal. She wants a pet. Now, if you were here two weeks ago, you know that uh, my love affair with birds. And, and if, if you know me well, you know that I'm not a big animal person. I think they're a waste of money and, uh, and a waste of oxygen. No, I mean, I mean I, I, hey, if you love animals, that's great. And praise the Lord that he has blessed you with that blessing. I just don't exactly have that same inclination. Uh, but Haley really wants a pet. And so she has been asking and seeking, and knocking, and she knows that her father does not like animals. And so she, so she, has, she has continued to ask, and, and she's narrowed it, she narrowed it down to a hamster, or a gerbil, or guinea pigs. And she keeps working on me, and keeps asking. And, and she's gotten smart. Uh, she, she has gotten smart. She convinced her mom to go to the pet store, and she did some shopping, some price comparison. So she went to the pet store, and she checked on what it, first of all, she, she found out that guinea pigs need uh, a friend, so uh, gerbils need a friend, sorry, Dana's telling me, that I, I didn't really pay attention, you can tell how much I love animals, uh, but gerbils need a friend, so she thought that was out, that, that was out, and, and guinea pigs were more expensive, but a hamster likes to live alone, so she priced it out what she needs, uh, for a cage, a hamster, the food, everything like that, $85. So she comes back to me and she says, Daddy, I went to the pet store. And, and I looked and I figured out that the hamsters, they live like two to three years. It's $85 for everything I need. And she's won her mother over in this argument because then her mom's like, and it would teach her responsibility. And I'm like but they're stupid, but, uh, and, and they smell, and, uh, and, uh, but, and, and so she keeps on asking, and Day and I were going somewhere the other, the other week, and she looks at me in the car, and she's like, so what are you going to do for Haley for Christmas? I'm like, we are not getting an animal. We are not getting a pet. There is no way. Where are we going to put this pet? In? We can put it in her room. I'm like, oh, that'll be great. It can be in her room, and, and, and she's like, she is going to be crushed. And she won't, and, she, and Dana said, she won't stop asking until you say yes. So guess what Haley's getting for Christmas? <laughs> now don't tell her, but uh, 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 she is getting an animal. But little kids know this concept of continuing to ask and continue to go and go and go. And, and God is saying to us as followers of Jesus Christ that we need to be persistent in prayer. And we need to go to him the same way a little child might come to us for a Christmas present and ask but we need to go go to him and ask him for those things the progression of intensity in these verses tells us that our sincere prayers to the lord cannot be passive they can't be passive he wants us to to be persistent he wants us to continue to go to him and and as we look at these verses in 7 8 some some people would misinterpret these verses and you've heard it before some people look at verse 7 and 8 and think that this is a blank check, that God gives us a blank check. And whatever we ask, if we just ask hard enough, like Haley with me, God will wear down and he'll give us whatever we want. And that's not really what God's saying here. This isn't a cosmic black check. This isn't the, the, the name it, claim it kind of gospel that Jesus is talking about here. But Jesus' point is this, and listen to it very carefully. We're to be passionately persistent in prayer for personal spiritual progress. Jesus is asking us to pray, to pray that we would grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ, that we would be persistent in asking God to help us to grow spiritually, to help us to become more like him, to help us to live out these principles that we find in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, the sight of God's perfect standard of righteousness that we've looked at through the Sermon on the Mount Uh, that that he is perfect, should drive us to our knees in seeking him to live out these areas in our life, To, to, to seeking his pardon and his power to live the kind of life that God wants us to live. Jesus' point is this, we're to keep asking for the things that will make us more like himself and enable us to love others with his love. We're to, we're to be persistent in asking God for spiritual blessings that will help us grow and mature in our faith. This week, I was, I was looking and reading a few stories, and I love stories, and I came across the story of Joanne. Joanne was a bright kid. She loved she loved school and she was very intelligent. And she had a great imagination. And, uh, and so she, in school, she was so bright that she got bored in class and, and, and she just kind of spent those, those times bored just dreaming and, and thinking and, 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 and putting a story together in her mind. And Joanne kind of got into high school and, and things got a little difficult at home. Her mother got multiple sclerosis. And that shattered Joanne's world. So she began to rebel a little bit. And, and she, she kind of withdrew from that situation. And that difficulty just w- was very hard for her to deal with. So she rebelled, but, uh, but she persisted through high school and, and, and she graduated. And she had a dream of going to her dream college and studying writing. She applied to that dream college and she was denied. They wouldn't accept her. So she had to settle for another college. And as she settled for this other college, her, her dad was getting on her and saying, Yeah, Joanne, this writing business, thats not you're not going to make any money. Why don't you do something more practical? You like writing. You like language. Why don't you study a language? So she studied French in, in college. And she graduated from college with a degree in French. And she bounced around from job to job to job after college. And then her mother died from multiple sclerosis and her world just fell apart, and she ran. She ran to another country to teach English at a school. And while she was in that country, she married very quickly and quickly had a daughter. And as quickly as she married, her marriage fell apart. Her marriage fell apart. She was in a a foreign country with a little baby with nothing to do, and she came home with no job, no place to live, and really no future she went on welfare she collected welfare and 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 tried to make a living and she continued to write she went to this hole in the wall coffee shop and made that her little writing office and she persisted in writing this story that she'd been dreaming about all her life this children's story she finished it she finished it and she knew that she had a dream of one day walking by the bookstore in town and looking in the window and seeing her book in the window so she knew if that was going to happen she needed to get an agent so she tried to find an agent she was turned down time and time and time again until finally someone took a flyer on her and and um and gave her a chance and said you know what We'll, we'll represent you but uh don't quit your day job you can hardly make any money in children's books so uh, her, her agent was, was busy trying to shop her, her book around and she, she got another job. She was a teacher and she was teaching kids to love to write and to read and, and, and while her agent was, was trying to get her book and the rights to her book sold and 12 times was rejected. They went to the 13th publisher, a, a publisher that just started a children's, uh, children's department and, and the publisher took a chance. They said, we'll buy the rights to your book for for $3,000, and we'll make 5,000 copies. Joanne was excited and happy, but you know what? That wasn't good enough for her, because she believed in her gifts, and she believed in her story, and she wanted to persist on, and, and she told her agent, that's great, we'll take the deal, but you know what? I believe that, that this story, that more people want to hear this story, and her agent pressed on and, and went to some American publishers, and went around trying to shop the, this this idea, and finally an American publisher bought the rights to her book for one hundred and five thousand dollars, the most ever paid for a children's book. Joanne is J. K. Rowling. She wrote the Harry Potter books. She's, she, she has sold more than four hundred million books. She is worth one billion dollars. Her seven books and eight movies. That franchise is worth fifteen billion dollars. Every thirty seconds, someone starts a Harry Potter book. I tell you that story not because uh, not, not because uh, whether you like Harry Potter or not or anything like that. I tell you that's a story of persistence. Joanne was persistent. She did not give up on her dream. And you know what, when God says to us that we need to be persistent in prayer, he wants us to not give up in asking him and crying out to him and going to him and asking him to help us be the type of people that we read about in the Sermon on the Mount. That's what God wants us to do. And the only way that we can get there is through persistence in prayer. Persistence is the key to God's treasure Just like it's the key to earthly treasures, we may wonder why God wants us to persist intensely for the things that he wants to give us. The answer is he wants to give us great spiritual treasures, but not until we're ready to receive them. Persistent prayer prepares us for those treasures or those spiritual blessings that God wants to give us. And so as we look at these first two verses Verses 7 and 8, we see that God wants us to persist in prayer, uh, to be persistent in prayer, to ask God that would help us to be more like himself. But we also see in these verses that he wants us to pray with confidence. In verse 8, it says, For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be open. You know, Jesus doesn't only want us to be persistent in prayer, he wants us to be confident in prayer. He wants us to go confidently to him. God knows what we need and when we need it. So we can pray with confidence that God's going to answer our prayer and provide what's best for us. We can be confident that God will provide when we, need, when we need it and what we need to help us through any situation. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, you know what? There is no such thing as unanswered prayer. There's no such thing as unanswered prayer. God always answers our prayers. It may not just be the, the way that we want him to. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about a situation from my life, and, and when I was in high school, it was in ninth grade, I was walking into church, and uh, we sat up here in the front at our church, all the students. And I must have got there late, and, and there wasn't a whole lot of space, and, and I was standing in the aisle looking for a place to, to, to sit, and I heard a voice. And the voice said, "Hey, you can sit by me." And the voice was from Melissa, an 11th-grade cheerleader who was very popular and very pretty, and I took her up on that offer before someone else did. Uh, I made my way to that seat pretty quickly, and that continued, that process continued from Sunday after Sunday, and we became friends, and then we started dating. For three years, we dated. Uh, you know, She went to Moody, and I was still in high school, and we dated, and, and, and I thought for sure that she was the one, because, hey, we met in church, so God must have been behind this, because you know he ordained this, he brought us together in church, and so my prayer was that, hey, God, I, I, I know that we're, I'm still in high school and she's in college and there's some years here, but, but work this out because I'm sure that this is, this is meant to be. Even Dana thought it was meant to be. You know, She was one of Melissa's friends. And uh, long story short, it didn't work out. Uh, I'm not a Mormon. I don't have more than one wife uh, uh, you know, that you've never seen, Melissa. It, it, it hasn't worked out. It didn't work out. And, and, and the funny thing was a few years later, a few years ago, she moved in next to my parents. She became my parents' neighbor. Talk about weird. Talk about worlds collide. Every time I went home, I would see Melissa and her husband and her five kids. And Melissa, she's, she's a great lady. She's a great believer. She's a strong Christian, and, 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 and she's great. And I don't mean to, to put her down at all, but, but every time I'd go home, I would see her, and it was just really weird. Until I thought about it, God kind of has a sense of humor, doesn't he? Because every time I'd go home and I'd see her and I'd leave, I'd be, th- I'd be thankful that God didn't answer my prayer. I, I, you know, I, I was thankful that God did not allow that relationship to continue because I feel like I was so much, God had so much better known what was going on and he had a better plan in place and that was Dana. Without, without Dana, there wouldn't be a Haley and there wouldn't be a Zachary. And, and, and so I'm so glad that God doesn't answer all of our prayers according to what we want. And I'm sure that you are too i'm sure that you are too but i'm grateful that according to this passage god always answers our prayers for spiritual strength and growth he always answers our prayer to enable spiritual progress in our life and and we see that in verses 9 through 11 in, in chapter 7 here and it says this which of you if a son asks for bread will give him a stone or if or if he asks for a fish will give him a snake If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? You know, at this point in time, the Jewish, the staple food in Jewish diets were bread and fish. And, and, and... Remember that the bread's not the loaf of breads that we think about. They were flat kind of cakes of bread. And, and Jesus is, is saying here, um, you know, if a child, if your child asked for some bread, you know, a flat cake of bread, would you give him a flat stone that looked like a bread? Uh, would you do that? I mean, you'd have major dental bills coming out. You know, that, that, that's, that's, that would be dangerous. That, that wouldn't be good. And, and he says, if your child asked for a fish, would you as a father give him something else with scales? Give him a snake? you know could even be poisonous i mean that that wouldn't be very good to him you know you would not do that you know you would not do that to your kids no matter you know how many times and what they ask for you for christmas i mean you wouldn't you wouldn't do that for them you know that that you care about your kids and you want to give them good gifts and and if they want food that you would give it to them and so jesus draws this kind of argument to a conclusion and he's using this uh, this form of argument called lesser to greater And it basically is this, if human fathers, the lesser, who are sinful, and let's face it, we are all sinful as human fathers. We we make many mistakes. But if we can give good gifts to our children when asked, then God, our Heavenly Father, the greater, who is perfect and just and loving, will certainly give us good gifts when we ask Him. If our sinful human parents, who are radically selfish, can do rights and unselfishly give to their children then God who is good will certainly give good gifts to his children. And so we can pray with confidence because God will answer our prayer and he will provide us good gifts. Now Jesus doesn't say here again that whatever we ask, he will give us whatever we want. That's not what he's talking about. But Jesus is saying if we pray to God and ask him to enable us to live the lives that he wants us to live, to enable us to, to to develop our spiritual lives in according to his will, he is going to answer that prayer and he will give us good gifts. He will give us spiritual blessing. Now if you're like me, you come across that those words good gifts and you're wondering, what in the world does that mean? What does good gifts mean? And so uh, I was thinking about that and I was reading in the parallel passage of this account in Luke chapter 11, verse 13. And the parallel account said this, if you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And I was thinking, that makes sense. The Holy Spirit is the good gift that God wants to give to believers. The Holy Spirit's the good gift that God gives believers that once we put our faith in Jesus Christ and trust Him as our Savior, He gives us the Holy Spirit to indwell us to to live in us, to help us live out lives here on earth that bring him honor and glory. The good gift is the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, it says this, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. Romans 8 9 says this, You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. The Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to God. We know that the good gift, the Holy Spirit, indwells believers. And that enables us to live the lives that God wants us to live. So this good gift of the Holy Spirit, he, he helps us. And he helps us in a, in a few different ways. The first way that he helps us is he guides believers. He guides believers. John 16, 12, and 13 said this. Jesus says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Jesus gives us the good gift of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit indwells us and it guides us. We are not alone. But God has given us the good gift in the Holy Spirit to guide us through our life, to direct us. That's a great gift that God has given us. Uh, The Holy Spirit also helps us, teaching us truth. It teaches us truth. In, in, In John 14, 26, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and remind you of everything I've said to you. He teaches us truth. I don't know about you, but when you go to someone for advice, when you, when you go to a counselor, you want to go to someone who's going to speak the truth, right? Or else it's a waste of time. You want to go to someone, when, when, when you go for some counsel or you want to get some help, you know, I usually call my dad. And I want my dad to tell me the truth. It may be painful, but I want to hear the truth because I need some help. I need some help for some direction and some guidance. And and Jesus tells us this good gift, the Holy Spirit, helps us by teaching us truth. And the, uh, the Holy Spirit also helps believers by praying for them. He prays for us. Romans 8, 26 and 27, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. The Holy Spirit helps us by praying for us that God's will would be done in our life. That's the good gift that God wants to give us. That's the good gift that we can be confident in in praying to God that he will give us this help as we seek to be more like him. John Piper said this, Our persistence in prayer shows both our confidence that God is our only hope and that he will act in the best way and in the best time in response to our persistent pleas. That just reminds us that, hey, as we think about living this life here on earth and living the the Christian life that God wants us to live, we need to be persistent in prayer and we need to be confident in our prayers. And the last thing, the last important reminder that Jesus gives in these first few verses, these verses in, in chapter 7 is we need to persevere in love. We need to persevere in love. Matthew seven twelve. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. This sums up the law and the prophets. And if you think about this, these are arguably the most famous words of Jesus. These are arguably his most famous words that people you know people know these words, whether they come to church or not, they know the golden rule. They've heard the golden rule, and throughout history, other philosophers, other thinkers, other religions has kind of uh, taken their own um, concept of the golden rule, and the Jewish rabbi Hillel said this, uh, kind of their kind of form of the golden rule, what is hateful to yourself, do not do to someone else. Socrates said this, what stirs your anger when done to you by others that do not do to others. Confucius said this, what you do not want done to yourself, do not do to others. The Stoics uh, promoted this principle, what you do not want to be done to you, do not do to anyone else. In every one of these cases from these other thinkers and religions, the emphasis is negative. The motivation is selfish. It's refrain from harming someone else so they won't harm you back. And these negative statements, they're not golden. They're not golden at all. Because they're motivated by fear and by self-preservation. And that's not what Jesus is calling, to, calling us uh, to here in, in, in verse 12. You know, man's basic problem is we're preoccupied with ourself. We're narcissistic. We love ourself. We, you know, we, we, we think we're the most important person on the planet. We're vain. We want, we want what's best for ourselves. We're totally selfish, and because we're totally selfish, we sin. Because we're totally selfish, we sin, and, and, and we have a hard time loving God and loving others. But John MacArthur said this selfless love does not serve in order to prevent its own harm or to ensure its own welfare, it serves for the sake of the one being served and serves in a way it likes being served, whether it ever receives such a service or not. I like that last part. The golden rule practically applied is we treat other people like the way that we want to be treated, and it doesn't matter if they ever treat us that way back. It doesn't matter if they ever serve us that way back. God calls us to a higher standard. He says that we need to persevere in love, we need to extend love, whether they love us back or not, because that as my representatives here on earth, that is how you live your life. That is what he wants us to do. The golden rule instructs us how we are to express a genuine love to other people. Jesus is pretty clear that he expresses how he wants us to genuinely love other people. And as I was thinking about the golden rule and thinking about how difficult it is to live it out, I was thinking about uh, an example from uh, from uh, my my parents' world that uh, my, my dad and Mom, they own, they own some apartments, and they have an apartment complex that has 24 apartments. And in one of those apartments lives Joe. And Joe, Joe has some special needs. He has some developmental issues. And, and not a whole lot of people who live in those 23 other apartments really like Joe. They don't have a whole lot of patience for Joe. They don't have a whole lot of time for Joe. And so as my mom and dad, my mom goes down to clean the, the hallways and the, and the laundry rooms and my dad goes down to do maintenance, they have established a relationship with Joe. And uh, they have kind of befriended Joe. And so sometimes they'd stop down there and they say, Hey, Joe, do you, have you eaten dinner yet? No, you want to come to dinner with us? they take it to McDonald's. Or my dad sometimes has to go to, to, to Harrisburg to Home Depot or Lowe's and says, Hey, Joe, do you want to go for a ride? Joe's like, oh, yeah, I want to go for a ride. And, And so they built this relationship with Joe. And every time my dad sees Joe, Joe asks him this question. He's like, hey, Dave, are we friends? And my dad said, yeah, Joe, we're friends. And Joe asks him that time and time and time again. He asks him that probably 10 times every time he sees him. You know why Joe asks him that question? Because he doesn't have a whole lot of friends. Because no one has extended love to him. No one has done to him what, what someone would else would want done to them. No one has practiced the golden rule to Joe. And it blows Joe away. Joe just can't believe that, 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 that he would have a friend that would be kind to him. I talked to my parents the other day and they took him to church and, 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 and Joe loved going to church and Joe just loves spending time with them because not because my parents are perfect but because they're trying to practice the golden rule. They're trying to—they're trying to love Joe, when not a whole lot of people want to love Joe. Not a whole lot of people have time, or energy, or—or or the the—the or, or want to love Joe. Jesus is our role model when it comes to love. He loves selflessly and sacrificially. Matthew 7:12 tells us that per, the perfect love that our heavenly Father expects from us is most reflected when believers treat others as they wish to be treated themselves. A little bit later in Matthew 22, we see the greatest commandment. Uh, Jesus calls us to love God with all of our heart and to love others as ourselves. And really, the whole whole point of, of this Christian life is we're supposed to love God and love others. And God wants us to reciprocate that love to other people, whether they love us back or not. That's not the issue. And the stimulus for faithfully living out this supreme love can only come from the indwelling Holy Spirit. If we're going to practice and persevere in love, it, it, then it comes from that good gift that God has given us, the Holy Spirit, because He is the only one that could supernaturally stimulate us to love others with the love of Christ. It, it has to come from Him because, in and of ourself, we're not going to want to love other people all the time because we're selfish and we're sinful. Romans 5.5 5 tells us, God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. Paul, Paul says that you know God has poured out love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And Paul goes on in Galatians 5.2 and, and talking about the, the fruit of the Spirit or those things that the Spirit produces in our life. And what's the first one? Love. The first one is love. God wants us to persevere in love. I was thinking about this message this week, and I was putting Zachary to bed on Thursday night, and tucking him in. And I said, "Hey, Zachary, I said, do you know the Golden Rule?" Kind of looks at me with like a puzzled look, like you know, is it something that has to do with Star Wars or something like that? I'm like, no, it doesn't have anything to do with Star Wars. And I said, do you know the Golden Rule? And he's like, no, what is it, Daddy? So I, I was I was explaining to him the Golden Rule that hey, God says we're supposed to do unto others as they would do unto us, or as we would have them do unto us, and. So I was trying to explain it to him and explain what it means. That means if you know what we're supposed to, if we want people to be kind to us and loving to us, we're supposed to extend kindness and love to them. He's like, okay, all right. I'm thinking this is going over well. I'm sure he'll remember this. And and uh, so so then I was like, hey, I'm on a roll. This is this is a great dad son time. So let's let's go in for the application. So that means Zachary, that tomorrow when your sister is annoying you. Uh, that means that you're supposed to return that uh, that that uh, uh, annoying whatever she's doing with love. He's like shaking his head. I'm like, yeah, this is going to be great. I'm sure that this will catch on, uh, especially at our house. I don't know. Maybe your house is different, but you know. And so and so, I, you know. But I felt like okay. So I kind of explained it to him, hoping that he caught some of that. And um, I talked to Dana some at some point Friday morning. And he's and she's like, hey, did you talk to Zachary about the golden rule last night? And I said, well, yeah, I did. It's like, well, he was like an expert at it this morning at breakfast, so he was telling us all about it and and everything like that. And I'm like, well, great, he did did hear And I was thinking, you know what, that's the easy part, isn't it? Memorizing the golden rule is the easy part. I mean, we all all can memorize it, we've all heard it, we've all known it, we've all, uh, you know, that's the easy part. Practically living it out on a daily basis, that's the difficult part. And so as I think about, you know, this point in, this, in the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus kind of brings us, hey, we're supposed to be persistent in prayer. We're supposed to be confident in prayer. We're supposed to persevere in love. I think really what Jesus is trying to encourage us and to, to remind us that what we, we should do is we should, you know, persistently and confidently pray that God would enable us to love others with his love. That, that, because it, that's where it all starts. Because if we're going to love others with his love, then you know what? We won't be judgmental. We won't hate our enemies. You know, we, we, we won't try to get even. We won't retaliate. We won't do all those things. But it really comes down to this bottom line principle. It's not just a matter of knowing the golden rule. It's a matter of living it out. So we need to pray persistently and confidently. God, will you enable me by the power of your Holy Spirit to be the type of person that practices the golden rule? On a daily basis. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity just to, to look into it this morning and, and and Lord, as we look into it, the, the standard that you set before us is so challenging. It's such a such a great standard. And and as I think about it, I think that I'm such a failure. For there are so many times that the that what is stirring in my heart and my life is is not a love for others, but uh, frustration or or, uh, uh, just misunderstanding. And and Lord, so many times I fall and fail, and and I don't live out the golden rule. And Lord, it really simply starts by a desire to love you and to love others. And and Lord, you've challenged us this morning, you've shown us this morning that we can't do this in our own strength. We're going to fail. So, Lord, it's my prayer that as we leave here this morning that we would commit to persistently and confidently praying. Praying that your Holy Spirit, who indwells us as believers, might enable us today to love others with your love, to practice the golden rule. And not just today, but tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day. Father, help us to be known as a church that loves others, that loves you and loves others. And it's clear by the way that we treat both our friends and those we know and those that you bring across our path that we don't know. In Jesus' name.